Welcome to this episode of Conversations. I'm Christine June, a public affairs specialist at the Marshall Center, and today my guest is Ms. Aurora Martin. Ms. Martin is the Senior Advisor with the International Relations Department of the Ministry of Labor, Family, and Social Affairs, National Agency for Equal Opportunities in Bucharest, and she is also a Marshall Center alumna. This morning, January 26, 2016, Ms. Martin gave a presentation on security conflict and conflict management, implications for civil society. To 42 participants from 25 countries attending the Marshall Center Seminar on Regional Security, which focuses specifically on regional dynamics. Here she is with me today to talk a little bit about her current position with the Romanian government and her take on the importance of the Marshall Center's 11,000 plus alumni network and how it has helped her in her career. And of course, I will ask her some questions about her presentation this morning. Thank you so much for joining us today, Aurora. We really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> to set the stage uh, a little bit, uh, can you um, briefly tell us about your current job? Um, what are the things that, uh, that you do either on a daily basis or what you're working on right now? What I'm doing now is to work on the process of ratifying the Istanbul Convention. Uh, Istanbul Convention is the, uh, the convention for, uh, for combating the violence against women, especially domestic violence. The convention was uh, signed by uh, 39 countries and ratified by 18. Romania is uh, one of them and the uh, convention was uh, approved by the government and by the parliament, was signed by the president, and now we are uh, on the last phase of uh, ratifying uh, the convention. Other uh, duties in my job is to promote equal opportunities, and uh, I'm doing this especially in the educational field because I worked before in teaching in high school and university, so it's easy for me to promote these ideas. As I had mentioned earlier, uh, Aurora is a Marshall Center alumna, and uh, she is a graduate of the Marshall Center's program on Applied Security Studies uh, in 2008, and the Seminar on Transatlantic Civil Security in 2015, as well as she spent some time in 2010 as a Marshall Center scholar. So uh, my question is, how has your Marshall Center experience uh, helped you in your current job, or you're also a uh, academic lecturer in international relations and good governance, and as you have mentioned, you've been a senior advisor within the Romanian uh, government and the parliament. For me, and not only for me, Marshall Center is a very prestigious institution. Of course, there are many prestigious institutions in the, in the world. But what is very specific in Marshall Center is not only the international framework, not only the friendly uh, atmosphere, uh, quite familiar, but um, also the possibility to have access not only to the very, very qualified lectures. There are a lot of uh, lectures in, in the world, in European Union. What is uh, important here is that you have access also to lectures taught by practitioners. And uh, this um, opportunity could make you switch from uh, being a passive actor, a listener, to uh, take action. 
I came here uh, in Marshall Center in a period of my life when I realized that I have to change something in my life. Um, before working in the institutional framework, I worked in educational sphere. I uh, taught in the Faculty of Political Science, International Relations. And at a certain moment, I realized that I have to put my uh, theoretical background, my experience in practice, to switch from uh, theory to practice. So I began, I accepted this uh, challenge of myself uh, to work, to apply my knowledge in uh, institutions. This happened here as well, in the Marshall Center, because you come here, you assist some lectures, and this process began to work in you and to change something. You, go, you don't go back home the same. You having uh, in mind so many uh, lectures, how many so many experiences, so many experience on the vertical side and on horizontal side, because what is important here, you don't receive only this uh, knowledge from uh, professors, but also from the, the other uh, attenders of the course. It's very important communication on horizontal field, because from this communication, Marshall Center experience continues when you go back home. And that's, what I, that's my next question regarding the, the alumni. They, uh, <clears throat> the Marshall Center has an 11,000 plus alumni network. And uh, we are very interested to find out from you if you have ever collaborated with an uh, a, alumni or maybe a fellow classmate when you were here, uh, instructors or any other contacts from the Marshall Center. And if you have, could you give us just a couple examples? You know, you come in Marshall Center like in a family. After that, you go back home as part of this family. So you feel it's natural to, to keep this connection, not only with professor, but also with the other people. Because uh, living here together for uh, three months, as my class was, certain connections, uh, certain uh, strong connections. They remain. <laughs> remain, yes. I met, for example, I was in New York, and one of my ex-colleagues uh, during the past, uh, a Georgian uh, lady who works for the Minister of Foreign Affairs, she was working for UUN, so we met in uh, New York. Then I was in Georgia, I met uh, somebody there. I was invited uh, for a lecture in the uh, University of Belgrade. Uh, one, uh, one of the students uh, who is here for the course now, Anna from uh, Belgrade, she, she came to, to see me. Uh, so, of course, Facebook helped us a lot, but also the, the global network is very useful to, to know uh, each other about our involvement, our, um, how we develop ourselves. Did you ever, did you ever contact an alumni if you had uh, for instance, if something at work, if you had uh, needed to know about uh, some other country, how they do it, some kind of security issue or women's issue, have, have, has that ever happened where you just, you know, called somebody up from the alumni network and asked for their assistance answering a question or anything like that? Yes, for example, for uh, Georgia, I uh, was invited uh, to help uh, the Georgian uh, government to work for free visa. And uh, I asked for uh, help for my Georgian, uh, Georgian friends from Marshall Center, of course. And um, not only with colleagues from other countries, but also inside the country, we are a Marshall Center community. 
And uh, my colleagues who were here with me in past, they, one of them is one of my best friends. We, uh, we are helping each other in daily life. We work together, we collaborate for different uh, articles, for different sessions, different conferences. Moreover, um, we have a very strong um, association, Tursi Marshall Association of Romania. We re organize annually a regional conference so it's a very diverse yes. connection because every year there are other members who brings new Marshall Centers alumni from different parts of the world. With the association we have a regional, annual regional meeting, but we also have every month one meeting of the association. We invite somebody to talk, we choose a topic, and uh, we want to talk, to, to share experience, to comment. Uh, for example, next, next month we shall have uh, a meeting on the, the topic of refugees in uh, European Union and uh, in Romania because we are uh, preparing for receiving the first wave of migrants and the opinions are uh, contradictory. What is important is that uh, people who are Marshall Center alumni and uh, participate to these uh, meetings. They also they go in their uh, organization, in their institution, and share these ideas. So it's uh, like a laboratory where we uh, we prepare uh, some uh, some ideas. Uh, some of them work in uh, in uh, uh, media, in TV. So the ideas are uh, are spreading uh, in society. And okay. th this is also the role of Marshall Center to prepare something here and to deliver it in our societies. Okay. In our earlier conversations, you mentioned that this presentation that you get this morning was a first for you as a guest lecturer. And uh, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. For our listeners, uh, can you give a, uh, an overview of your presentation this morning? Well, my, my presentation aimed to um, touch the topic of human security and responsibility to protect. I have to add that, uh, to, to stress that these are my uh, research topics in Marshall Center. When I graduated first uh, the pass, I uh, presented uh, a research on human security. Uh, then, when I came back in 2010 as Marshall Center scholar, my research was in responsibility to protect. So, uh, what I did today, actually, it was a updated research, but it was like I received something from uh, Marshall Center and it was time to give something back. And uh, uh, it was a very happy day for me to, to do this. Yes, and it, the, I sat in on the presentation, as you know, and it was, I learned a lot. It was very, very interesting. One of the things that caught my, my uh, attention was that uh, when you made the distinction between the government's responsibility to protect, which you called R2P, and the civil society's responsibility to support, um, which you called R2S. Can you expound a little bit for our listeners who weren't there at your presentation this morning? Uh, the responsibility, uh, they made in the same t uh, point, but they come from uh, different uh, areas. Uh, the responsibility to protect is um, uh, when uh, a country, a state, a nation 
the government is not able or is not willing to protect its own citizens, then uh, the Security Council has the duty to intervene. So it's a question of sovereignty. That's why the concept of uh, responsibility was so much uh, debated, because it's an issue of sovereignty. When it's time to intervene in a country uh, where uh, the, the government uh, doesn't protect its own citizens. I told at the beginning of the presentation, in the last hundred years, more citizens uh, have been uh, killed by their own governments than by foreign armies. This is a click. It has to, to make a click. We have to intervene. But to intervene is a matter of sovereignty. That's why so many debates related to this uh, concept of responsibility to protect. Because if the state is not able or not willing to protect, so is uh, the duty of uh, Council of Security of United Nations to uh, take action. And it's not always easy. And talking about uh, responsibility to protect, I also said during the questions session of Q&A, the best example is um, Myanmar and Darfur. In both cases, we had the inability of the state to protect its own citizens. In Darfur, it was genocide, and the government was not willing to protect the citizens. In Myanmar, it was a natural disaster, a cyclone, and uh, it provoked a lot of destruction. The, the international com community wanted to help, but the government, because it was a military dictatorship, d didn't want to accept the help. Of course, in both cases, Security Council of UN decided to intervene with different results. In Myanmar, they succeeded to help population, but in uh, Darfur, unfortunately, the intervention was inefficient. Uh, regarding the responsibility to support, this is a very important uh, duty of uh, the uh, civil society. Uh, see, I said at the beginning, I, I tried to, to see the civil society from a, a double perspective as a victim in the conflict areas and civil society as an enabler. Speaking about the duty to support of this, of civil society as an enabler in the, in the conflict management. Okay, and um, this is non-government organizations, right, for uh, responsibility to support, mm -hmm. right? Yes. That they can actually help where governments can't go in, yes. correct? Yes. Um, the other point of your presentation that I really found interesting was the importance that you put on the role of women and uh, even children in uh, peace and security. I think our listeners would be interested in that as well. Can you explain why you felt that it was important to include that aspect in your presentation? We, women need protection, especially in the conflict framework. Because in conflict framework, women, uh, or uh, when uh, we talk about the displacement of uh, population, women not only face the usual dangers in these conditions, but they also are exposed to sexual traffic, to sexual violence, to uh, forced abortion, to sterilization, uh, to slavery, to... Um, but is it because that they are vulnerable, like you said, but they're also very important to a society? Is that why they're so important? for the peace and security of a particular society? 
They are important for peace and security. There are some resolution, resolution uh, 1325, the first resolution. There are an other connected uh, resolution which uh, uh, stressed uh, this, uh, this role of women in the process of, uh, of peace and security. What is inter uh, interesting is that uh, this re resolution was, uh, was approved in 2000, so, so late in uh, our history if we look back at and ho how much injustice women suffered uh, before. And I think about rape camps in ex-Yugoslavia, for example, or um, about using women, uh, the body of women, as, uh, as an instrument, uh, as a fighting is instrument. Because uh, it is a very subtle fighting instrument. Because when a soldier is on the battle, he has the will to fight. But when somebody tells him that the village where he lives was attacked by the enemy, and the enemy raped his wife, and his wife is pregnant with the child of the enemy. He's losing his uh, motivation to fight. So it's a very subtle uh, uh, mechanism to fight against the enemy using the body of the woman. Oh, I see. Because, and then you also brought up the fact like sex slaves and, yes, and yes. things like that, that it's, it's even more common now to, to use those kind of things. All right, so thank you so much for joining us. That's all we had that time for today. But I really appreciate it, and I'm sure you'll be back at the Marshall Center. I really hope so. <laughs>